Is this chicken what I have or is this fish? What are you? An idiot sandwich. Idiot sandwich what? An idiot sandwich, Chef Ramsay. I was rooting for you. We were all rooting for you. How dare you? Congratulations, you're a meathead, son. But you know what? Don't ever put your hands in my underwear. This is the lamb Where's the lamb yeah, I mean, you really don't make friends around here, do you? I... I didn't come here for that. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Snap Back to Reality, the podcast where we revisit the trash TV we grew up with and love to hate. I'm your host, Riley Ennis, and this is episode 55. Welcome back, everyone. I hope we're all having a good week this week. Um, happy tourist season, babies. It's Taurus season. If you believe in astrology, hopefully this means it'll be a lot easier for us to all just stay home and uh, luxuriate and do face masks and enjoy quarantine (laughs) as opposed to being desperate to get out and go to beaches and stores and spread things around because people are still trying to do that. Um, Not a lot of new updates with me. Shockingly, not a lot is going on. Uh, I've done quite a few Zoom happy hours with people that I actually haven't talked to in quite a while. So that's been really nice. Just kind of taking this time to reconnect with friends. I bought a couple of sheets of stamps last week, save the post office. Um, And I think I'll try and send out some letters. So see if people just want to receive like paper mail from me. And yeah, we'll, we'll do that. Um, But otherwise, I hope everyone else is still staying safe and sane and happy for the most part, to the best of your ability. And this week, we are going to be talking about a show, um, what I guess I would consider my OG birth control, Nanny 911. Uh, I definitely watched this when I was growing up, maybe because I was watching it, I guess, when I was like in middle school, so my brain was still developing. Maybe it affected my young psyche, and this is the reason why I don't want to have kids, but... I was like never super into it in my mind it's like on the same level as it's not I guess it's not technically wife swap it's a fox show and I think the partner show was trading spouses but it's just one of those shitty fox reality shows that's fine to watch when it's on but I never like tried to find it I was never like looking through the channels being like oh my gosh it's <laughs> nanny 911 jesus i forgot what the show even was i was like caught up on wife swap and trading spouses yeah i was like never trying to look for nanny 911 but i watched i watched quite a bit of it you know when you were sick and staying home from school and it came on or it came on after school while you were doing your homework it was it was something so i was interested to see how i would feel going back to this since i had no strong sentimental ties to it in the first place um i it's fine. We'll get into it. We'll get into it. Uh, so the background of the show itself, it originally aired on Fox from 2004 to 2007. And in 2008, Fox announced that it sold the rights with Nanny 911s along with trading spouses to CMT, the country music channel. <laughs> country music, you know, naturally, the Nanny 911 was a, a, a natural fit. Um, New episodes aired on CMT from April to June of 2009, but after that, the show was pretty much canceled. So this show specifically, Nanny 911, is apparently loosely based on a British TV show called Little Angels, which was just about, like, you know, misbehaving kids. Um, Nanny 911 specifically features American families uh, who have unmanageable children who are reformed apparently within one week by one of several British nannies. So the family is uh, introduced, they'll show like a montage of clips, and then it'll cut over to Nanny Central, where the head nanny Lillian, head nanny Lillian, who is described as being the nanny to the British royal family, um, she'll decide if Nanny Deb, Nanny Stella, or Nanny Yvonne will be dispatched to help the, the needy family. So I was like, oh, cool, head nanny Lillian. Like, let me look into this lady. Um, Her name is Lillian Sperling. And I could not find any reputable sources that confirmed she was indeed nanny to the British royal family. If someone has, like, proof, I would absolutely love to see it. Because I feel like, why would you lie (laughs) about something that I feel like would be so easy to verify? Um, but it has not been as easy to verify as I thought. You would think it would be at least in one article or two about, like, a woman who actually did work for the, the British royals. But no, 
the only thing I could find when I Googled her name was just coming up specifically in relation to Nanny 911. So, I don't know. But uh, it, as of now, I don't trust that Lillian was actually the head nanny or the nanny to the royals. Um, so nannies Stella and Yvonne are each described as having 15 years of experience. And then Nanny Dubs uh, has 22 years of experience. So these are all like very experienced nannies who have, you know, grown up very proper British lives. And they're going to come to America and help these poor families out. So the nannies will spend a day observing the family and then they come up with a plan of action to change the children's behavior, which is drastic methods such as time out and do what you say you're going to do when you tell your child you're going to do something when they're misbehaving. It's really radical stuff here. Um, At the end of the week, the children are now somehow well-behaved angels, and in seasons one and two, the families received a substantial gift from the nanny at the end of the week, which typically was like a car or some other kind of big thing. Um, And typically, these families that are featured are white, upper middle class, and have children that are usually under the age of nine, not always, and usually they feature families with four or more children. However, that's not always the case, of course. According to what I found in Google Books as the Pocket Idiot's Guide to Not-So-Useless Facts, the casting directors for the show would hang out at toy stores and local Walmarts to find families with screaming uncontrollable children. So, That's fun. Um, Casting directors, I always love finding out how these casting directors are finding these people just for various different reality TV shows. Like I'm always reminded of the Jersey Shore cast going and talking about how there was just a bunch of different casting directors at like all these clubs that they were going to. Uh, I feel like it would be really fun to work as a reality TV casting director and just be like sent out to like these just different locations to scout for these people that seem like characters I feel like I would be pretty good at that, especially having done this podcast for the last year. <laughs> I feel like I have some idea of what the people want, maybe. But yeah, I think that's interesting. Um, as with any show featuring children, there's always like a controversy about consent and whether or not it's ethical to show these kids, especially these kids who are like <laughs> the entire reason there's a TV show revolves around the fact that they're like misbehaving shitty kids. Um, there was a pediatrician who was quoted in the New York Times who was just, like, not a fan of Nanny 911. And, of course, it came up as, like, the, the, the kids are not magically changed and perfect kids, like, perfectly well-behaved kids by the end of one week with a person, a stranger. Like, kids always behave better for a stranger in general. <laughs> maybe, I don't know, according to what we see on the show, I don't know if maybe that's the case necessarily, but... That's the case for a lot of, like, babysitters and stuff. With Like, the kids will be well-behaved around the babysitter, and then the mom and the dad will be like, how did you do that? And the babysitter's like, I'm not you. Like, they're not going to be, like, a monster to me because they don't trust me. <laughs> like, the kids act like monsters around people that they trust. Well, but some kids are just monsters. I'm going back and forth on this, obviously. Um, moving on. There were several international versions of the show, the... I listed a, quite a few, Chinese, German, Brazilian, Polish, French, Spanish, Dutch, Italian, Malaysian, is, Israeli, so on and so forth. There were a few different um, other versions I didn't mention just because there were a lot. Uh, also, there while Nanny 911 was airing, there was the Super Nanny franchise that was also launched. So I knew that there were two shows that were like pretty much the exact same. I knew one was Nanny 911. I couldn't remember what the other one was called, but obviously I Googled it and found out that it was Super Nanny. I watched both of them. It's like trading spouses and wife swap. Like, what what is the difference? It's like Pepsi and Coke. <laughs> there's literally, there's more difference between Pepsi and Coke than there, there is between trading spouses and wife swap, I swear. Um, it's basically the exact same premise, like I said, except for Super Nanny only features one nanny it's just one person who goes around to all of these different families uh joe frost she was in both the british and the american versions of super nanny the british version launched in july of 2004 and then the american started airing um on abc in january of 2005 so i thought that was kind of interesting that they were after nanny 911 like nanny 911 is the og and i guess little angels is the og oog i almost said ogg but that does not make sense all right 
how I chose this episode. So I watched a bunch of different episodes from season one um, yesterday, basically. I did all of this yesterday. Notes, everything. And I also had a lot of anxiety yesterday. And I wonder if it was because I was exposing myself to hours of children screaming. Um, So I don't recommend binge watching this show unless you really like that sound. Uh, I knew that I wanted to do an episode with Nanny Stella just because she's my favorite. And I think she's also the most well-known or maybe the one who just continued working in the field of public nannying (laughs) afterwards. Um, And then this episode that I chose specifically was actually the first episode that I watched and I chose it for a few reasons uh there are five children they're all boys and that just sounds like a nightmare to me so I knew that there would be some good stuff um it has Nanny Stella in it and there's a little line it's my favorite line that you're you're gonna be able to tell probably um because it mentions astrology so we'll get started on that in one minute So this is season one, episode four, and it's featuring the McRae family. So it starts with an intro segment, basically every single episode of Nanny 911, at least in the first season that I watched, had this, um, starting with the announcer saying, every parent's worst nightmare, kids completely out of control and taking over the household. And so it's just a montage of children being holy terrors, um, just various kids from the different episodes this season you know just being nightmares and then we see an exterior shot of nanny central which looks like quite the quaint like fairy tale english cottage uh where (laughs) alleged head nanny lillian i'm like never gonna let her live that down unless she really is i don't know maybe she really was because why would they lie i just can't get over it uh she answers the nanny 911 hotline on her old-fashioned rotary telephone And so the voiceover says that they've gathered a team of world-class nannies from all over the globe, but they are all from the United Kingdom, so I don't know what he he thinks he's getting at. Um, And then this is where it says that the nannies will only have one week to work with the families. Can they turn, you know, these kids into angels? Which they always somehow manage to do. So we get our theme song, and then we are introduced to Craig McRae. Um, he is a police officer. He's been married to his wife, Tracy, for 10 years. Tracy is the mom to stay uh, to five boys, and she's a stay-at-home mom. And she kind of pauses here, and she's like, boys are very tough. And that pause kind of told me everything that I needed to know about how this was going to go for the rest of the episode. So we get another montage, this time just specifically of the McRae boys being nightmares. Um, There's fighting, there's screaming, there's a lot of screaming in this episode. At one point, Tracy is asking one of the littler boys, uh, he's like crying, he's like, did you get bit? And then she pulls up his shirt to reveal this like huge, giant red bite mark on his shoulder that just looks awful. Tracy says that she doesn't think the kids respect either of them, that much is very clear. Uh, Craig says in his talking head that things have been out of control and they've only gotten progressively worse over time. So we are introduced to the kids. CJ is the oldest. He is nine years old and Craig describes him as the ringleader. He's the one that gets everybody started. So we see a clip of CJ just like sitting on the couch watching two of his younger brothers fight and he's just yelling at them, encouraging them. He's like, punch him, kick him. Um, Craig tells us that he goes from room to room just raising havoc and then he'll just sit there on the couch like he did nothing and be quiet. So he's kind of a, he's a little manipulator. He likes to stir the pot and then kind of sit back and watch how things play out, which is not good, but is like my first inclination is to respect that. So I don't know what that says about me. Next is Michael, who is six years old. Uh, Tracy calls him the competitor of the group. He's always got to be first. He's always got to win. We see a clip of Michael crying and screaming. He says, I want to eat my potato, which is, I mean, relatable. So, so far, these kids are on my good side, even though they're monsters. Um, Craig says, you know, Michael, if he has an opinion, he'll let you know as soon as possible. We see him back talking his dad. So we know he's, he's a little sassy one. The middle child is Joseph. He is three years old. Um, Craig says, so he says, Joseph is the closest to my wife. And so he just like puts enough of a slant into it. It's very subtle. It's probably even a little bit more subtle than I said it right then. 
um he he just like puts enough of a slant into it that you know he's kind of like irritated by their relationship like he probably thinks that she like coddles him too much or like she favors him something something about that he doesn't like uh tracy tells us that joseph is the one who throws the most tantrums um in which we get a you know quick montage of that happening him screaming over various things and then Tracy says, yeah, maybe it's part of my fault that he has the tantrums because I've always just given him whatever he's wanted, which is not great parenting. I'll give her that. And then finally, the two youngest are twins, Jack and Francis. They are both two, I guess two and a half. Uh, Craig says that Joseph and the twins are like Irish triplets. They are inseparable. Irish triplets if the, or Irish twins, I don't, if you don't know. I don't know if this is what Craig specifically means other than just they're very close in age and they like are you know hang out all the time but my understanding of what Irish like the technical definition of Irish twins is is two children that are born in the same year but are not twins (laughs) we're not born on the same day um or like maybe sometimes two kids that are in the same grade that are siblings but are not twins I don't know if that even happens I guess it depends on the timing but I um I have Irish twins in my family actually they are my third cousin I believe my mom's first cousin's daughter's daughters (laughs) but um yeah they are I don't know how old they are now I think like 9 and 10 10 and 11 and one was born in January and one was born in December of the same year so that's kind of kind of cool kind of interesting uh so yeah craig says that joseph jack and francis are inseparable there are the irish triplets um and then tracy describes the twins specifically as the typical like your typical two and a half year old times two so they get into double the trouble which on top of three other kids three other boys under the age of 10 is a lot Um, We see the twins rolling around on the ground, slapping each other. They're dragging a vacuum across the house. They're climbing on the furniture, about to jump off the entertainment center. Um, And Craig says the twins were the final reason that they, well, not not he, not Craig. He's like, well, my wife calls Nanny 911. Because it's like always these men are just like, they go to work for nine hours a day and they get to be away from it all. (laughs) They have like time away from the the families and the moms are always stay-at-home moms. And the dads are like, I don't think, well, I mean, yeah, they're, the kids could be more polite, sure, but I don't think we, I don't think we need to call in someone else. Like, it's always, they're always so resistant to it. I don't understand why. Then we have Craig admitting that he feels guilty because he works a lot. So when he's home, he's more lenient with the kids. Uh, we see him giving the twins, I think, the youngest ones, like two-year-olds, coffee in a water bottle he says it's coffee specifically he says um you know don't tell your mom that I gave you coffee if you tell her I gave you coffee I'll get in trouble so he's encouraging them to lie to their mom he's giving kids coffee like you should not not even the nine-year-old needs coffee much less the younger ones um he also we see him telling one of the kids like he's trying to ride his bicycle his old trike or something through the house He's like, well, mommy doesn't want you playing on your bikes in the house. And then two seconds later, he's like riding them like all around the house on the bikes. Tracy says here that they're not able to go out too often. Uh, Craig says that a 20 minute is max they can handle in terms of a car ride. Quick clip of the interior of their minivan. The kids are screaming. They're crying. Tracy's trying to get them buckled in. It's not happening. So we've established here that just like in any situation, pretty much the kids are just too much to handle but the problem is that they have a big family party in a few weeks so they all have to attend to um and they're nervous that the kids are going to cause a scene so this is why they've called nanny 911 they need to get the boys in order before the event craig also says here that he bets his new york pension that it's not going to work so we'll see like again always with the skepticism so this is when we cut back over to Nanny Central. Would it be horrible if I tried to do the fucking accents the entire time? Because, like, the nannies have such cute little accents. They're all from different parts of the UK, but I can't. I can't. Especially if it's nothing other than just, like, the basic probably, like, London accent. Like, any kind of, like, twist or flavor into a British accent. I can't fucking do it. Like, Welsh no way northern england can't do it a fucking scottish accent yeah right good luck uh i there was a time this is this is definitely a sidebar (laughs) there was a time 
a few years ago when I got really obsessed with trying to be able to pronounce the word no with an Australian accent because there is like an R in it, but it's basically impossible. I don't know how you have to move your mouth to make that sound. If someone can like explain it to me, like if someone who knows linguistics can explain it to me, because I took a I took a linguistics class, a Russian linguistics class for my degree in college. So I know about like, I can palatalize things, like just explain to me what I need to do with the different parts of my mouth to make the sound that Australians make when they say the word no. Thank you. Um, anyway, I'm not going to do the British accents because it would be just not fun for you. I might have fun trying it, but... I don't know how much fun everyone would have listening to it. So we see the nannies watching some of the same clips that we saw, just basically getting acquainted with the McRae family. And head nanny Lillian um, and nanny Deb look especially scandalized at what is happening. So head nanny Lillian asks the others, um, well, she says, oh, what do you girls think? Okay, sorry, I guess I am going to do the accent. I just slipped into it without meaning to. Um, she calls them girls, but they're all grown women with at least 15 years of experience on, on the job. So that doesn't sit super well with me, but you know how I am about these things. Um, she asks the girls what they think. Nanny Stella says, you know, mom and dad aren't even on the same page. They're not even in the same book. Um, and Nanny Yvonne notes that there are no boundaries in the home, so it definitely needs some discipline. And so basically Lillian assigns Stella to the project, saying that with her tough love and her great sense of humor, it's just going to be what the McRae family needs. And then as it's like panning out from that shot, you know, it pans away. We can see all of the like nannies sitting there in the room. And there's just a random man sitting there too. Like not in the corner, not like off to the side. Like he's fully present as if he had like lines at some point that got cut. He's sitting around the little like coffee table in the center of the room. He looks kind of like he might be like in a butler outfit. I don't know. Maybe Nanny 911 also had like a butler component that just got left on the cutting room floor. But I saw that and I wondered what was happening there. So next we get a series of Nanny Stella voiceover and shots as she journeys to the McRae house in New York City. God, I wish I could do this accent. Um, I'll do a little bit of it probably because I won't be able to help myself. So she says, I've been called to New York to help the McRae family. Craig is a macho New York cop, macho, she says macho, uh, has no idea how to discipline his five rambunctious boys. State Tracy is a stay-at-home mom raising five little spitfires and has all given up, all but given up on getting them under control. So she says that the two can't agree on how to raise their children, and sometimes they feel more like zookeepers than parents, which fucking, yeah, from what I've seen, I think you'd probably have a calmer time as a zookeeper, man. If Joe Exotic can keep, a, like, 50 tigers under control, then you <laughs> probably would have a better time with, like, one in a zoo. So Nanny Stella rings the bell. Tracy greets her. Um, all of the nannies have basically this standard uniform where they have, like, a different color. I think it's, like, pink for Stella, green for Deb, I think blue for Yvonne, under, like, a vest and skirt set. And then their traveling outfit includes a maroon cape and a matching hat. Um, it's very British looking, very smart looking. And Tracy says that with her big bag and her hat, she felt like Stella was like a real life Mary Poppins come to help them. Oh, which I don't know. I don't think I did. I mention this last week that I'm listening to this audiobook called The Queens of Animation all about um, Disney, like the animators at Disney, the women who used to work at Disney. It's very cool. And they just I just got to the part where they do Mary Poppins, which um, was very interesting. So Tracy calls the kids to come and meet the nanny and a couple of the boys come up and they're kind of like, yeah, okay, like shake her hand or whatever. They meet her. Uh, Jack hangs back shyly, but you know, he's like two. So I'll give him that. Like he's allowed to be a little bit shy. But CJ, who again is nine years old, is being a little asshole, is hiding behind a wall, is not going to come out. Tracy tries to like yank him out by the arm, which is not great either, but you know he's being a little shit so I'll give her that um but he refuses and then as Tracy's trying to like handle CJ Craig comes over introduces himself to Nanny Stella and of course his like first talking head after he meets her he's like oh yeah no way this is gonna happen um and then Stella says you know rumor has it that you're staking your New York pension on this he kind of like pauses for a second. He's like, yeah, yeah, I'll take my pension on this. And then she's like, all right, shake on it. And I was like, yes, girl, secure that bag. 
So Tracy drags Michael out to say hello. She sets him down, and then he immediately just gets up and runs away. CJ's still hiding behind the wall. He won't come out. And I think the other boys who had initially come out have kind of taken a cue from their brothers and have since run away and are refusing to meet the nanny. So Craig and Tracy are just like, oh, sorry, the boys aren't going to come out. So she's like, okay, yeah, that's fine. I'm just going to observe first and take some notes. So the day of observation begins. Um, first, they it's 11.09 a.m. They're all kind of just sitting in the living room together. It looks like Joseph is just laying draped over his mom's leg, and then he starts whining for a glass of iced tea. So that's when Tracy says, she's like, well, ask her nicely if she'll get you some iced tea. And then, like, Joseph is just, like, whining and whining and crying. So, like, nothing comes of that. But I was like, ma'am, are you talking about Nanny Stella? Like, she's not here to wait on your children. She's here to make sure they're, like, functional. They become functional human adults because you're not doing that great of a job at it. She's not going to go get your shitty kid iced tea. Like, that's, one, that would be your job. Two, she's probably going to try and encourage him to get his own iced tea because it's, like, you know, responsibilities and boundaries and things like that. But anyway, after she's like, no, I'm not going to get you iced tea or ask nicely for iced tea. Uh, Michael tries to bite Tracy and then one of the twins starts fighting with his dad because he has a crayon he won't give over and it turns into a mess. Thus ends most scenes in in a mess. Uh, next is 12.27 p.m. We see the label as family bonding. It looks like they're all sitting together in one of the little boys rooms and Craig's asking CJ with some help uh, to get book he's like trying to get a book um so that tracy can read to the little ones but cj is basically just saying no no i'm not gonna do it francis starts throwing things hitting at tracy um one of the other boys starts like climbing on top of them it just devolves once again into chaos the boys are jumping on each other and their parents are throwing things um tracy says in her talking head that she kind of thinks nanny stella was shocked by what she saw i don't know at this point, it had only been season one of Nanny 911, so I'm sure she, she goes on to see worse, but I don't know what Nanny Stella had seen in her private career as a nanny in the 15 years leading up to this. I'm sure she'd probably seen worse than this. I would hope so. Well, I say that, and then we get a talking head from Stella, and she's like, on a scale of one to, ten, to 10, these kids are out of 15, so maybe maybe not so much. Next is 342, home decorating. Um, Stella watches with a look of utter horror as the kids are just throwing couch cushions around. CJ is hitting and kicking one of his younger brothers, and Stella's, like, concerned because it's getting to a point where it's dangerous. Next, at 430, we see gymnastics. This is, I don't know, I'm actually very impressed with this, and I know I shouldn't encourage the kid to, like, jump around and, like, hurt himself, but uh, this is cool. So Michael is, like, standing on a side table, um, and Craig sees him, and he's, like, yelling at him to get down. Uh, and then instead, Michael does this, like, very well-executed flip, where it's, like, a standing side flip, almost like a cartwheel in midair, like, onto the chair next to him. Um, and he, like, lands fine. Like, he doesn't break his neck. But he could. It could not. It, it could have gone not good. So don't encourage it. But at the same time, like, good job. Maybe get him into, like, actual gymnastics classes. <laughs> like, channel that energy and talent into something productive. Um, next, at 5.15, vocal warm-ups. Jack is on the ground, ear-splitting shrieks in a tantrum. Tracy is just kind of telling him, like, stop it. Knock it off, honey. Stop it. Um, and Stella, like, looks straight to camera and says that she is in nanny hell. <laughs> I, I couldn't help myself. I had to. 5.47, snack time. So Craig is just, like, sitting on the couch lounging. He's got a sleeve of cookies. It looks like it's, like, Chips Ahoy or something. And then one of the other boys, I think Francis, is quietly just standing to the side, eating his cookie, being good good is relative I guess when it comes to these boys right now um and then Craig says to one of the other kids which maybe is Jack or Joe uh he's screaming on the ground and he's like if you're just quiet I'll give you a cookie if you just be quiet I'll give you a cookie which is great you should definitely bribe your children to do the bare minimum of behaving with sweets oh by the way I'm so sorry if I'm like unintentionally throwing shade to anyone who actually has kids <laughs> listens to this podcast and is like yeah bitch you with no kids you're gonna get talk shit on all of these parents <laughs> but like 
Craig and Tracy really don't do a lot of like actual disciplining and I'm sure there are times when like kids are just gonna cry and be little shits no matter what you do or how good of parents you are. (laughs) I just thought I should give that disclaimer so I'm sorry if you're like getting really steamed at me because it's very easy for me to sit here with no kids um and say all of this stuff but you know that you you're the one who's listening to this podcast it's just a broadcast of my thoughts. Anyway um so yeah Craig is trying to bribe the kid but he's still screaming he's not gonna give it up um and then meanwhile Michael is literally like climbing up the door frames which I used to do where you put your foot um on either side like you kick your feet out and you like put your hands out you kind of like form a starfish and then you can like shimmy your way up the door frames me and my brother used to do that do that or we would do where when I guess we were probably smaller we would like kick our feet out and then lay horizontal like lay parallel to the ground and then like shimmy our way up with our hands and feet up the door frames it was fun (laughs) climbing was fun again like my parents should have like channeled that energy and like put me into like baby rock climbing classes and maybe I could be like a world-class bouldering champion or some shit by now 7 11 p.m family sit down so nanny stella has said that she's seen enough and she calls craig and tracy together for a chat and so she's like in my observations there is no discipline whatsoever no consistency no consequences no what's right and what's wrong but the good news is i will come up with a plan with that if executed with consistency will guarantee them a normal family life the bad news is that she says she doubts that they are in she thinks they're in total denial and she doubts that they'll be able to be receptive to anything she has to say however they both say that they're willing to try I mean why not at this point you have nowhere to go but up um so then we see nanny Stella retire to her room which I guess all of the nannies must stay with the families which I suppose makes sense although I at the same time she could definitely just stay a, a nearby hotel and come by every day um but I guess they all stay there. Uh, so maybe that's why they're generally upper middle class families is because they need to be wealthy enough to have a house that has an extra room while also having like a fuck ton of kids. It still has a guest room, like still space for someone else and a camera crew at that. So Nanny Stella is working on a little project. It's a board that has a schedule on it. You know, it's got each hour of the day and a bunch of different things written on it. Um, and she says that, When I come in and lay down nanny law, I think they're going to resist. But she does say that, you know, if I thought it was too late, I wouldn't be here. So it's 8 p.m. It's time for family rules. Um, She presents the plan to Craig, Tracy, and CJ, which I appreciate that they invited CJ to be a part of this family meeting. I think that's really important in kind of turning everyone's behavior around is by telling the oldest son you know hey we are treating you like an adult and we are expecting certain things of you and holding you to a certain standard above your brothers because you're the oldest which they don't exactly say to him but I think it's kind of communicated here by letting him be in this meeting so I applaud that anyway uh Stella presents her plan um Tracy she says looks pleasantly surprised Craig looked bewildered and CJ looked horrified horrified (laughs) so bad I'm so bad at the accent I can't I can't, but it, I just hear it in my head and I want to be able to reproduce it and I just can't. Um, at the first point, the first point on the plan is that they need to establish order. So this is why they're going to introduce the timetable and keep the kids on track. The second point is consistency. So she says, you've got to say what you mean and you've got to mean it. Um, she points out that they hear, she hears a lot of the parents saying like, don't do this, don't do that. But then nothing happens afterwards. Like, And that kind of, I think that kind of leads to the natural third point, which is, discipline because there is no consequences for the bad behavior and then this is is not my favorite line but I love this moment Stella's like what I would like to introduce is timeout and then it immediately cuts over to Craig with a talking head and he's like and I was like oh my god she's gotta be kidding me just like this is not a radical idea I don't even have kids and I utilize timeout for my fucking cats like when my cats are too riled up you put them in a room by themselves uh you know you remove irritating stimuli and you give them some time to calm down like that's what you should do with children too right um CJ is not happy with this new arrangement because I guess he know he's he's gonna have to sit in timeout um 
<laughs> Next, she moves on to the house rules. So this, I guess, is this is different than the three-point course of action. I guess it's just like general rules to keep in mind for moving forward. So the first rule is treat your family and others how you would like to be treated, a.k.a. respect one another, a.k.a. the golden rule, a.k.a. CJ is nine years old and we learned that shit in school. <laughs> like, he should know this. Uh, no hitting. Nanny Stella says, hands are for praying, not for hitting. <laughs> she also says that um, she wants to see some good manners. She hasn't heard a single please or thank you the entire time that she's been there. Next, she moves on to the scheduled timetable that she's made them. Like I said, it has each hour broken down into a specific like task or time of day. So 7 a.m. is wake up. 11 to 12 is going to be lunchtime and nap time, so on and so forth. There's like a slot for homework. There's a slot for school, of course. There's a slot for playtime, things like that. Um, so at this moment, Stella calls out Craig and says that he's looking a little horrified. Uh, says that, And then... Craig's response to that is somehow, well, the problem is when you throw a woman into it and he like glances over to Tracy and Tracy, I'm just like, what? Excuse me. So Tracy, God lover, is like, okay, what's that supposed to mean? And he says, you know what I mean. When you put, when you put your touch into it as mom, everything gets thrown apart. So like, what does that even fucking mean, dude? That you're, she's like a bad mother that can't keep her kids on a schedule or like she herself can't keep on a schedule. Like it just doesn't make sense. So Stella calls him out on this um, and says, you know, the schedule isn't just for Tracy. It's for him too. It's for the whole family. And he says that he's willing to try, but he still looks skeptical. And so as it's kind of fading over to the next scene, Stella has a voiceover and says that this will be a battle, but the way to win any war is to take out the general, which kind of leads to the next moment. So it's day two. Stella says in her voiceover that she's going to start uh, by implementing her rules with the leader of the pack, who is, of course, CJ, the oldest. Craig says that it's going to be hardest for CJ because he's already set in his ways. But, you know, he's nine. I think he can change. Um, so here, I guess it's still nighttime. It says day two. Well, I guess it's nighttime day two. I guess, like, nothing interesting happened all day in the morning of day two. Um, but I guess it's after dinner and Tracy is yelling at CJ for walking on the dining room table. And she describes it as like a domino effect. So he'll start and then all of the other kids start chiming in. So she yells at him for walking on the dining room table. And then all the other little kids start like running around and yelling in the kitchen. And then Craig once again brings up his unique ability to start trouble and then take 10 steps back and let everyone else take the blame for it. Which again, like I gotta respect. I wonder if CJ's a Scorpio. <laughs> We see a shot of him in the hallway fighting with his brothers and then he walks into the kitchen and he like tells his mom he's like mom Mikey got hurt and it's like did he get hurt or did you punch him because I think you know there's two different sides of this story. So Stella says in her voiceover that the eldest son sets the tone for the rest of the brood and if she can turn CJ around the rest will follow. And so we get a label that is 9 13 p.m. Stella says that when it comes to discipline, they need to start with the basics. Of course, time out. CJ's being really wild, and Stella walks over to him and tells him that he's a choice. And again, I really like how she puts this, too. Like, she has a great way of talking, like, communicating with kids in a way that, like, she treats them with respect while also kind of being firm and letting them know that she is not going to tolerate any kind of disrespect on their part. Um, and she says, I know you're smart and I know you can make a really good choice and you have the choice to either help clear away the dining room table or you can go in timeout. And Craig's basically telling CJ, you know, you need to sit down, you need to be quiet. He's going to go into timeout. So CJ's like sitting on the stairs. Craig has to physically lift him off the stairs and carries him down onto the love seat and puts him down for his timeout. And then like as he's doing this, Tracy and Stella are kind of shooing one of the other kids out of the <laughs> chair and he's... The other kid, I think it's Michael, he's like, but I'm in timeout. And Stella says, no, you're not. You're not in timeout. You're being well-behaved. So this whole next part of the scene plays out while we have the background music as the Blue Danube Waltz, which I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure this is the Blue Danube Waltz. is the one that goes, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. So it's like, you know, a fun little juxtaposition of this child screaming while we have some like lovely classical music in the background. 
So CJ keeps running off and Stella just calmly explains to him that every time he runs off, the timer resets and at this rate, you're going to be in timeout for the rest of your life. Um, so finally he sits on the couch and he stays there, but he's still kicking and he's screaming. Um, and Stella again just calmly tells him, yep, well, every time you misbehave, you're going to go in timeout. So it behooves you. She doesn't say that, but that's my own word uh, to just listen and do what you're told the first time. CJ has a talking head here where he says timeout is like sitting in a dark, a cage, a dark, scary cage in his parents' lovely suburban middle-class home, upper-middle-class home on their nice leather love seat where, where he's well-fed and safe and warm and loved. Yes, indeed. Uh, that just doesn't age particularly well in, in 2020 when I know that there are children in cages and they are not CJ. Um, he is still kicking, he's growling, but at least he's staying there. And um, Nanny Stella says in a little voice over here that the timeout was horrific, the screaming, shouting, the kicking, but her philosophy is consistency. If you get up, keep putting them in their seats, and eventually they're going to stay in their seats, which, I mean, she's proved herself here. At this point, we see CJ has fully buried himself underneath one of the couch cushions, which, you know, if that's what works for you, then do what you need to do to get through the timeout, dude. Um, Stella comes over and tells him that he has two minutes left. She even says, you know, I'm really proud of you. You're doing a good job. Even though he's like still screaming, um, he's kicking, jumping on the couch. He's lashing out. He's screaming. He says in a little talking head that the entire time he was in timeout, he was thinking of escaping and destroying the timer. And then like, even as it's like counting down the last few seconds of the timer, he's gotten off the couch and he's like walked over to the entertainment center where it's sitting and he's counting down with it, which technically it should reset and he should go back on the couch but I think that would break the poor boy's spirit and his soul so I think they let him slide with this one and then as soon as it hits zero he just like lets out this intense scream <laughs> and Craig has a talking head and he says yeah I have to admit after the timeout CJ seemed to be a little bit more relaxed and then it immediately cuts to a shot of him rolling on the ground screaming that he's free in which to which I say excellent work editors I do love a good juxtaposition like that um now it's day three nanny Stella wants to see how the family behaves outside the home so she suggests a little outing to the park so they all get bundled up in their coats there's no like fussing or fighting for this which is kind of unusual because I'm un from what I know of having children which again is not a lot like don't kids like aren't don't aren't they little assholes about getting into coats um they seem to be fine here however once they all try to get strapped into the car that's when the chaos ensues so some of the kids are screaming Tracy is in the front she's yelling like three rows back to Francis to stay in his car seat um he's like wiggling out of his car seat also I noticed that it looks like only the twins are in car seats I think later on we'll see that Michael also has a car seat no not Michael Joe the the three youngest have car seats the two and the three-year-olds but the six and the nine-year-olds are just sitting just straight on the the chair like on the regular car seat without like a booster or anything which I know you need to be doing that at the very least I think the six-year-old should probably still be in like a harness seat and the nine-year-old at the very least needs a booster and I'm not one of those like crazy car seat people but yeah, I know that <laughs> if you are one of those people, like, sorry to call you crazy, um, don't watch this show. <laughs> like, I'll probably just get really, really upset. Back inside, Stella suggests, oh, so they are, um, yeah, so they're, like, fussing and fighting, and they basically just have to abandon the idea of going out. So back inside, Stella suggests that they bring the car seats into the house so that the kids can just, like, get used to sitting in them, become more acquainted with them. And Tracy just, like, laughs this off, and she says to Craig, she's like, okay, honey, I guess that's your job. Um, and so I think Stella gets, like, miffed at that, because I would, too. And she's like, well, you know why I'm telling you to bring the car seats in? Because I'm, because whatever it would take for me to get your kids to sit in a car seat right now, I would do. And as a nanny, my professional job is, for, is to protect children, and that's your job as parents, too. So, you know, she kind of roasted them. They didn't really have a choice. Craig and Stella go out to get the car seats from the van. And Tracy is just like, still doesn't really care. She's just lounging on the couch saying she's not, it's just not going to work. It's not going to work. And they bring in the seats. And then one of the kids, um, Joe, Francis, I can't really tell. The, the three little ones all look exactly the same. Um, immediately sits down in the seat and is just like, chill. He's just like having a good time. And Stella's like applauding him. 
Um, that's when I see that they actually have three seats. But I'm like, that's too, too few. But we'll take what we can get here, I guess. And then, like, I think one of the other boys gets in the seats. And he's like, Mom, can you strap me in? And she's like, Matt, she's like, you want me to strap you in? How come you didn't want me to strap you in in the car? You were just screaming. And Stella's laughing. And she's like, okay, well, as you can see, this is already working. And she says, you know, the more that they get accustomed to them, the less frustrated they'll be when they have to, like, put them in the car and go somewhere. But Tracy's still, like, I guess just not a fan of this thing that has obviously worked. And she says that she thinks it's ridiculous to carry three car seats back and forth every day for them to sit in. Um, Craig accuses her of making excuses and he says that Tracy has just given up. So then one of the kids, probably CJ, maybe CJ or Michael, says, Mom, can we go out for dinner? And Stella says, oh, that's a really good question. And your mom's answer should be if you behave yourselves. But I think they've just been too bad today in general to deserve dinner. And then it kind of transitions over to this new not necessarily new scene, but this new kind of concept. So Craig is saying here that the most important thing for him is just the ability for the kids to all sit down and have a meal together as a family and have good table manners. So Stella says that that's what they're going to test tonight. Um, CJ's like, I don't want to take a test. She's like, it's not an academic test. It's a behavioral test. He's probably like, well, shit, lady, I don't want to take a behavioral test either. I'll fail that shit. Stella has a talking head where she says that family time at the table is so important for communication. So she's a big, big advocate of family dinners. And then she says that there's only been, she says that they told her, there's only been maybe one time that they've all been able to sit down together and have a meal. Which I'm assuming means within the last two and a half years, I guess, since like they're counting all five of the kids. But like, yikes, lady. <laughs> Cut to dinner time at the table. Some of the kids are already crying. Uh, that's fine, though, I guess. Um, they kind of calm down for a second. Craig agrees to with Nanny that it's even a major accomplishment that they have them all together at the table. And so then Stella says that the rules are everyone has to stay in their seats and everyone has to say please and thank you. And I guess that's kind of the determination of how they'll see if it's been a successful dinner or not. So she also reminds them that, you know, what applies at the restaurant applies at home and vice versa. Craig says he's amazed, but he just wants to see how long it'll last because they're always skeptical. And then cut to Jack screaming and then he starts to climb on the table. So Stella says that someone needs to get him off and Craig and Tracy are both just like, Jack, get off the table. Just get off the table. And then it's Nanny Stella, who is the one who actually gets out of her chair and physically gets Jack off the table and puts him back in his, like, while the other kids are, you know, also starting to act up. Craig and Tracy are just sitting there. And then at one point, it's the lost cause. All of the kids, I think except for CJ maybe, are just have crawled under the table and are just screaming together in unison. Craig asks Tracy for some help. Um, and then he says, you're just sitting there. But also so is he, so, like, don't get accusatory. She's like, I'm eating, I can't go nowhere. Which, okay, Tracy, I just I just pulled for you, but that was not a great comeback. Uh, CJ's like, they're all under the table. Thank you, CJ, that was very needed commentary right then. But Stella, you know, she, like, celebrates any kind of positive milestone. She says that they did a good job for getting everyone to the table, but Tracy, again, has to be negative. She's like, well, they all wound up under the table, so to me, that didn't work. Stella tries to remind them that, once again, this is a first attempt. It's going to take some time for the kids to act right consistently. And she says in her talking head that <clears throat> she asked Tracy why she wasn't making any effort, and she just said that she was done. She was tired. It was the end of the day. And Tracy says, it's ridiculous. It's for me to grab all of them, put them back in the chairs. My dinner would be ruined. To which I say, Tracy, one, is your dinner not already being ruined by being constantly surrounded by screaming, misbehaving children? And two, so, okay, ruin a dinner or two of yours so that your kids can learn table manners and not be socially stunted for the rest of their lives. And Stella just says that, that Tracy is just hoping for some overnight miracle, which is what, what they always want. It's day four. Stella is midway through her stay. The chaos continues. So they tell us that it's Saturday morning. All five of the kids are home together. I guess the uh, the past couple of days, at least, 
the older two have been at school, so maybe things haven't been quite so crazy. But the kids are being wild in the kitchen while Tracy is making breakfast, and Stella says that it's worse than feeding time at the zoo. At one point, Jack asks Tracy to go pee-pee, and so Tracy's like, okay, yeah, go pee-pee. And then she walks out into the hallway and finds him just, like, pissing on the carpet and is weirdly calm about this. And she's just like, why'd you go pee-pee here? Like, lady, come on. Like, it just, it's just weird. Stella realizes that since Tracy is ignoring all of her advice, she's going to really need to focus on getting tougher on the parents. And then it's almost 8 o'clock in the morning. We see it just like a shot of the clock. Everyone's up except for Craig, who's still sleeping. Which, I mean, 8 is kind of early, so I can't really get too mad at him. But if the rest of the family's up, you should be up too. CJ and the rest of the boys run into his room, start jumping on the bed to wake him up. And Craig kind of says in his talking head that this is typical. This is a typical morning on his day off. The kids will wake him up. He's exhausted. Then the chaos starts. So we see Jack and Francis fighting on the couch. <laughs> Craig comes out. Stella tells him good morning. She's like, this is chaos. Craig's like, you know, on my day off, I just want to sit and relax, enjoy a cup of coffee, and I can't. But to that I say, you know what, Bucko, that's what happens. Like, you lose that privilege when you have five children. You got shit to do on your day off. You got to take care of your kids. He's also really annoyed because apparently his mother-in-law is coming over and he's he's not quite a fan of her butting in and trying to give advice. And so next we see Mimi, who is the kid's grandma slash Tracy's mom, walk in. Um, I don't know if she, I don't know if her name is actually Mimi or if she just like calls herself Mimi instead of grandma, but she is called Mimi on all of the Chirons, so that is what I will be calling her. Stella introduces herself to her, um, and then she says that after she met her, she got more insight into Tracy's negative attitudes, which seems kind of shady, because I don't know if Mimi, Mimi seems fine. Maybe I just like, you'll see why I like Mimi in a second. Um, Stella asks Mimi how she's feeling about the big anniversary dinner coming up. She's the one hosting it, and she says that she's very nervous. You know, I hope that they can sit here, but I, that they can sit there and behave, but I know better based on the past, basically. And Mimi says in her little talking head here that she walked over and she sees what she always sees when she comes in. It's just complete chaos. So Tracy and Mimi have a moment where they're talking together. And Mimi asks Tracy, how do you feel about the nanny? Tracy says, well, nanny has some good rules, but I don't think we're going to follow them. And then this, this is my favorite line. Then Mimi goes... You're giving in before you even started because both of you, you and Craig both, you're both Pisces. You're very both unstructured people. You just do things on a whim. And I was just like, what is this? What is this character assassination of Pisces in my good nanny 911 television show? Yeah, that was fun. I love a lady who, uh, who knows her astrology in 2004. We stand. And then Craig is annoyed because he's like, Mimi only had to raise one kid. Mimi stopped coming around after the other kids started being born. Um, Stella asked Mimi about this and she's like, yeah, well, especially after the twins were born, it just started to get so unbearable and chaotic. I was afraid that they would get hurt in my care and I just couldn't handle that stress. And so that's actually something that I feel like, I don't know if she's told that to Craig and Tracy before, that's a big fucking deal. Like, I feel like she should have made that very clear. Like, these children are out of control. You have, like, instilled no discipline in them. And I cannot do this because I'm genuinely afraid that they will get hurt. And I will blame myself or you will blame me. Like, I can't watch them because they're so wild. Their own family, their own grandmother saying that. So then we see CJ climbing on a couch. Stella's asking him, do you want to go into timeout again? So he's being just like a smart aleck. He's like, yeah, yeah, I'll take timeout. So she's like, okay, well, I'm going to get your dad to give you a warning because I guess they have a warning system in place. Um, Craig, or CJ's like, well, I already got a warning. So Stella goes over to Craig. She's like, he's being fresh, smart, and sassy. <laughs> and then Stella says uh, he needs to go on timeout for nine minutes. So Craig says, Tracy, it's your turn to try. And then poor CJ really fucking lucked the fuck out in this moment, let me tell you. As Tracy walks into the living room to go put CJ in timeout, she sees that one of the kids, I think it's Jack, um, has drawn all over her apparently brand new leather couch cushions with some kind of like marker or pen or something. 
Um, so Tracy starts freaking out. She says that she feels sick. And Stella's like, oh, okay, well, this is Tracy's breaking point, finally. Um, and she's really pissed. And Craig is, like, trying to make excuses. And she's like, well, he didn't mean to do it. He, I, I don't think he meant it. I don't know if it was him. Tracy's like, oh, he meant it. I saw him. Stella's like, well, why did he do it? Like, did he need some attention? Tracy's like, oh, he's just a brat. So she's, like, really mad. So Tracy decides to put Jack in timeout for ruining her couch. She throws him over her shoulder like a sack of potatoes. This is the lady who was, like, not even willing to, like, get out of her chair to, like, put him down from standing on the table last night. And she, like, is, like, fireman carrying him out of the living room. And Craig is, like, trying to take him. He's like, oh, no, like, let me talk to him. Like, come to daddy. She's like, no, 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 no. Stella, however, is, like, totally on board. She says that she's so impressed she could cry. Um, she says, because of your couches, this is the most firm I've ever seen you. Good job. Which seems a little shady, but, you know, whatever. And then Jack is screaming, but Tracy's staying there, just making sure he stays in the chair. She gives him time out for six minutes, two minutes for each line he's marked on the couch. Again, Stella compliments her, because this, this is also very a reasonable and fair time out punishment. Um, however, Craig keeps trying to undermine her, and he's, like, trying to say, like, well, I don't think it was him... And she's like, no, 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 it was him. I saw him with the pin. And Stella even says, I know this is killing you, but you've got to support her. As Jack even says here that he's like, yeah, I did it. I, like, drew on the couch. So Craig has to, like, he has no choice but to be all in. So he, like, squats down in front of him. He's saying, you know, you're not allowed to draw on mommy's furniture. That was not good. And then, like, Stella's just standing there, a coffee cup in hand. She's so proud. She says this is the most united she's ever seen them since that she's gotten there um jack's allowed out of timeout and then they're like very sweet to him afterwards they tell him good job like you know you, you did your timeout like a big boy basically uh no more color on the couch and craig makes jack wipe up the marker he does so very calmly and helpfully so you know things are things are starting to look a little bit better stella says that they just have one more test that they need to pass before they'll be ready for the big anniversary dinner so it's 7 11 p.m it is dinner time once again Stella reiterates here that family mealtimes are so important. It's for socialization. It's for communication. It's really important these kids learn how to have a meal together. So they all sit down at the table, and it seems like things go pretty well at first. Craig starts telling a story about the day that he had. I guess he took Mikey and CJ out, um, talking about, like, they played basketball. They went to a couple of different places. Stella says that she was really excited. She thought that they were making headway. Then, boom, crash. It's basically kids at the zoo again so for some reason michael starts throwing a tantrum tracy takes him away from the table um tells him to go to bed but then craig takes him and he's like no no no. he's gonna learn to sit in his seat so he puts him back at the table mikey is still screaming and crying i don't know if this is the best thing that you should be doing i know the goal here is for the kids to sit at the table but it seemed like maybe taking him away and being like no no, no you need to go into a quiet dark room and sit here for a few minutes until you calm down was probably a better idea but it seems to work. Um, Stella agrees with what Craig did, I guess. She says, that's good. You can't let the kids talk to you like that because he was, you know, being a little dis- disrespectful shithead. Michael calms down. He starts eating his meal again. I guess he just needed to get that out of his system. He's fine now. And Tracy even points out that he uh, said please when he asked for his soda, even after his tantrum. So they're doing a lot better. Stella says that she's amazed with how well the parents did with dinner, too. And then, this is, like, a true fucking the miracle of Christmas. Michael, the kid who was just, like, screaming for no reason, takes his dish from the table and puts it in the sink without being asked. The parents are complimenting him. And then, like, the rest of the kids start cleaning up, too. Because once, you know, one kid starts acting good, usually the rest will follow. Craig is totally shocked. um, And then the kids, like, are cleaning up the dishes and cleaning up the kitchen as Tracy and Craig get to finish up their dinner. So it's nice. So Nanny Stella says in her VO that good parenting is comprised of consistency and teamwork and that the McRae family proved her tonight that they have the right stuff. But the big anniversary dinner is just around the corner. Are they ready? It's day six. Um, I guess this is just like a little throwaway day where like everything was fine. Stella says in her voiceover that um, we also see like scenes of them all playing together as a family at the park. So I guess they all were able to get to the park and not kill one another in the car on the way there. 
Uh, she says that her time with the McCrae's has almost come to an end, but she's really seen the family come together over the last couple of days. CJ in particular has really taken on a lead in being a role model for his brothers and the boys in general are just understanding the meaning of brotherly love and the parents are finally on the same page. So it's day seven. It's the final day, the day of the big dinner. They're all getting ready. Stella says she senses the tension in the air. Um, Craig gets them all loaded up into the car. They did well getting into the car seats and he says it was a peaceful ride. So things are going well so far. They all arrived together at the restaurant and Tracy says the five of them just sat down in their chairs and their in-laws, well, Craig's in-laws were amazed. Like the family was amazed. So we see them at the restaurant. They're doing well. The kids are hanging out with like their grandma and their grandpa, I guess just like their other family members. Um, they're just sitting at the table drinking politely from their drinks, not being bad. Nanny Stella kind of peeks her head away, like her head around the door frame to look into the room, like one of those back rooms in a restaurant that you could kind of reserve. So we see her just like kind of peeking in, checking in on them. She says she's delighted to see how well they're all behaving. No shouting, no climbing on the tables, no chaos. And Mimi even says she can't believe how wonderful the kids are being and it really warms her heart. Also, we get a um, a clip of some random other old guy. I don't know if it's uh, Mimi's husband or some other just like uncle or something. And she's like, what did she do? Did she whip him? It's like very much not. Nanny, Nanny Stella does not believe in whipping a kid. Craig leans over to CJ and he tells him, you know, you're, you really stepped to the plate. You did a good job helping me and mommy. And it's really sweet. Like Tracy starts to cry. She's like tearing up with happiness. Craig does too. And it's just sweet to see how proud the parents are of their kids and how good everyone is being. So it's time for Nanny Stella to say goodbye. She says that she truly believes Tracy and Craig have gotten it together. In just one week, the children have learned to be polite and respectful. But I'm like, yeah, but how long does that last after you leave truly? She says goodbye to each of the boys. She hugs them. She thanks them for their hard work. She tells them to be good boys. She says to CJ especially how proud of him she is and for being a role model that his brothers can look up to. Um, and then Craig and Tracy say that they believe that if they keep up with Stella's advice, it'll work. And then it ends with Stella's uh, Pia, or voiceover saying, I really hope so. And you know what? He can keep his pension. And then I thought there would be a gift at the end because I had seen a few other episodes that I think one, they got a camper, like a really nice like pop out camper for family vacations. Another family got a car and the car wasn't even sponsored because they blurred out the little emblem on front. I don't know what, like, I almost said what breed of car, what model of car it was. Um, so that's kind of cool that, like, it wasn't even a sponsored car that they gave them. But I don't know if the McCrae's just, like, didn't get anything or if they just didn't film it. Maybe just being allowed to keep his pension was the gift because they did shake on it. Uh, however, yeah, they don't. Um, they didn't get a gift. And that's the end. So where are they now? I looked everywhere for the McRae family. I could not find hide nor hair of them. I looked on LinkedIn. I looked on Facebook. I even checked TikTok for the kids because they'd be like Gen Z TikTok age now. I couldn't find them. So I thought I found Tracy at one point on Facebook, but then I was like scrolling through all her photos and uh, there was one where it was just her. It looked like a family photo with her with two kids, one boy and one girl. So I was like, that's either not Tracy or Tracy just straight up like ditched her biological family and met some other man and married him and adopted his two children as her own. Um, so I'm thinking it's probably not her because she was still named Tracy McRae and she probably wouldn't have kept her married name in that case. Um, Nanny Stella, aka Stella Reed, however, I do have an update on. Uh, so since Nanny 911, she's co-authored several books on parenting, um, The Nanny Chronicles of Hollywood, Nanny 911, Expert Advice for All Your Parenting Emergencies, and The Nanny in Charge. She also works with families on a one-on-one -on -one basis, offering private consultations and doing nanny matchmaking, where she'll like pair up your family with a qualified nanny that meets your needs, which is kind of cool. That's like a cool service. She travels across the country delivering parenting workshops, and if you want to find out more about those or her other services, you can visit nannystella.com. Um, but she currently lives in Gardena, California with her husband Mike and her son Mason. 
And then in terms of does this show hold up slash is it worth a rewatch? In terms of holding up, I mean, I wouldn't say that it comes off as terribly dated. Uh, the nannies have good parenting advice. It's not like they're telling you to like beat your kids, which I would say is very much like not holding up. Um, so that's fine. But is it worth a rewatch? It's hard to watch this show for me because the kids are really obnoxious. And I truly think like I had like pretty bad anxiety yesterday, like worse than my just baseline level of like general anxiety disorder. Um, probably just because I was listening to kids screaming for several hours. So if you do want to rewatch, don't binge it unless you really like are into it. Um, if you never watch the show, it's I guess good for one episode if you're kind of curious about the premise, but it's like basically the same exact thing each time. So yeah, I don't know. I don't think it's worth rewatching very much in my opinion, unless you're really into it. All right, you guys, that is it for this week. Thank you so much once again for listening. I really, really appreciate it always. Um, I love it. Love ya. Love that I have listeners. I really it just, it means a lot to me. I hope you guys know that. Uh, please rate, review, subscribe to this podcast. Um, ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts are really, really helpful. I haven't gotten one in a few months, so it would really mean a lot if someone could, if multiple people, that would be great, <laughs> could put in a few uh, ratings and reviews for me because that would help me out, just getting me a bump in the um, in the charts. Make Help people find out about the show. Tell your friends. Um, you can find me on Facebook, Snapback to Reality Podcast, on Instagram at Snapback to Reality Pod. You can email me at snapbackpodcast at gmail.com if you would like to follow my personals. My Instagram is at really underscore Riley, although I'm considering changing it. I've, I've just had it for a really long time, but I kind of want to make all of my socials the same handle. And right now, my Twitter and my TikTok are both at Riley Said So, and I kind of like that more. Kind of, I don't know let me know what you think I also know it's better to not have an underscore in your name just for like search engine optimization and people being able to find you um so it's but it's hard because I've had that for so long also I'm having a lot of fun making TikToks now I've just like leaned into it whatever it's 2020 we're in a global ban- pandemic just do what you want do what makes you feel good do what's fun fuck what people say uh, maybe I'm too old to be on TikTok, whatever. There are a bunch of other 27-year-olds and up on TikTok. So I'm on TikTok. I'm posting TikToks. I'm pretty proud of the TikToks that I'm making. Um, so give me a follow there if you are into it. Uh, once again, that's at Riley Said So. And I hope you guys have a great week. Once again, stay safe, stay healthy, um, stay sane, do what you need to do to keep yourself in a good place mentally and physically, and reach out to a friend this week. Like, Say hi to someone that you haven't thought about in a while. It's good for you. All right, talk to you guys next time. Bye.